Uh, back in 1996, how many of you remember 1996? Yeah, not many of us. <laughs> That's a long time ago. But back in 1996, I went on a mission trip to Haiti uh, with the Christian Student Fellowship down at Indiana State University. And so I went on this mission trip. And I had no idea what to expect. Uh, and, and let me tell you what I found out when I went on this mission trip. Uh, it's hot in Haiti. I mean, it is hot. I mean, you could, um, it's 2T hot. I mean, it's H-O-T-T hot. It is so hot in Haiti. Uh, it was, when I was there, it was 99 in the shade. Like, it was hot. And um, we went down there to help build the school. And one of the things that we had to do is we had to dig the footers for the foundation of the school. And it was like 90 feet by 90 feet by 90 feet. We had to dig them 18 inches deep, 18 inches wide, and it was going through an old riverbed. And so there were lots of rocks. It was, it was really, really hot. It was, I lost 15 pounds in 10 days. Uh, it was incredible. But it was an amazing experience. I remember flying into the airport in Port-au-Prince. And, and when we landed, uh, it's not like we taxied up to the airport and a little, uh, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, a thing came out, like a little elevator ramp came out and like attached to the plane and we walked through it into this nice air-conditioned airport. No, 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 no. It was nothing like that at all. No, we stopped on the, on the tarmac and like they rolled out this old rickety uh, ladder uh, thing to the staircase to the, to the plane and we had to walk down and walk across the tarmac all the way and we walk into the airport and, it's, and there's no air conditioning and, and I'm pretty sure I, I remember a goat. I think there was a goat uh, in the airport, in the airport. Now this doesn't happen at O'Hare, folks. You know, the only goats you hear about at O'Hare are the ones that had to do with the cubs. Hey, oh, cubby joke. Yeah, so it's sports weekend at GFCC. Um, so, um, but, so I remember it hot, and I remember the poverty. It was just abject poverty. So we get into a bus, and we start going to Grand Guave. That was the town we were going to where our compound was located. We were going to serve and build this school. And so we get into the bus and we're, we're driving on the bus and, and it was about 45 minutes as the crow flies, but it took us two and a half hours to get there because the roads were bombed out from decades of war. Uh, it was awful. And, and here's the thing, the smell, oh man, the smells were awful. Uh, there were open sewers with little kids running around playing in them full of garbage and refuse and, and all kinds of terrible stuff. The kids running around playing in the sewers. There were 15 foot high mounds of garbage in the street. 15 feet high mounds of garbage and trash. Uh, it, was, it was unbelievably poor. We get to Grand Guave and one of the things we did is we'd go visit people in their homes. And when I say the word home, I mean it very, very loosely. Because it was a tin shack. And it may have two rooms separated by a curtain. It was a dirt floor with possibly a mattress for seven or eight people living in this tin shack. In Haiti, there's about 10.7 million people. Six million of them live on less than two and a half dollars a day. That's less than a thousand dollars a year. Some of you got a paycheck on Friday and your paycheck that you got on Friday was more than a, a Haitian will live on in a year. Your one-week paycheck is more than they'll make in a year. So here's the other thing. Um, of those 6 million people who live on less than $2.50 a day, 
2.7 million of them live on less than $1.25 a day. That's less than $500 a year. $500 a year. It is a country that is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. It is terribly poor. And like I said in the announcements earlier, uh, our team is worshiping with the folks down there this week, and they will spend four hours in a worship service in the hot Haitian sun it, celebrating Jesus, thanking God for the very little that they have. It's, it is an experience like you've never experienced in your life. In America, you know, we are, we are really blessed. Uh, we are a blessed nation, and we are a blessed people. You want to know how blessed we are? Check this statistic out. If you make $48,000 a year or more, you are among the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Let that sink in for just a moment. If you make more than $48,000 a year, that's less than $1,000 a week. If you make over $48,000 a year, you are among the top 1% of wage earners in the entire world. When we hear the word rich, what do we think of? We think of a guy like Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates is rich, right? Bill Gates is rich. Jeff Bezos, the founder and CEO of Amazon.com. Jeff Bezos is rich. Well, he's half as rich as he used to be, but Jeff, oh, shame. Uh, Jeff Bezos is rich, right? Um, uh, then you've got, you know, like uh, athletes and entertainers. Those guys are rich. Like Tom Cruise makes 25 to $30 million for a movie, for a movie, to pretend to be someone else. He gets paid 25 to $30 million for that. Uh, you think about it like an athlete, right? Athletes make gobs of money. There was a player this weekend, Antonio Brown, the Oakland Raiders. He got in a, in a fight with the general manager of his team, and they cut him. They cut, they cut him, and they took away all his guaranteed money. Do you know what he did in less than 24 hours? He signed a contract with the New England Patriots for $15 million for one year. $9 million of that is guaranteed. He hasn't even played it down, and he's already got $9 million. He was on the market less than 24 hours. Those people are rich. When you hear rich, you may think of Donald Trump, and some of you may think of some other things other than rich, but I see what you put on Facebook, okay? I'm just saying. Either unfriend me or clean up your Facebook act. That's all I'm saying. Some of y'all. I'm going to GFCC. I hate everybody. What are you doing? Anyway, 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 sorry. That's a whole other sermon. In 2020, that's one of my sermon series. Is, oh, be careful, little fingers, what you post. I'm just saying. I'm not going to tell you when it is either. It's going to just spring it on you like a surprise. Ah. Uh. We think, of, we think of rich people, those are the people we think of. Those people are rich. We're not rich. Well, congratulations, folks. You're rich. If you make over $48,000 a year, you're among the top 1% of wage earners in the world. You are rich. Realize it or not. And the problem is, is that most of us are rich. We're just not very good at it. No one ever taught us how to be rich. And so this series that we're starting today called How to Be Rich, notice, it's not how to get rich, because we already are rich. We've established that fact that most of us are. Not all of us, but most of us are. 
So it's not how to get rich. It's how to be better at what we already are, which is rich. How to be rich. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the book of 1 Timothy. And we're going to talk about what Paul told his young protege, Timothy, to tell the rich people in the city of Ephesus. Now, the book of 1 Timothy was a letter from the Apostle Paul to his young preaching protege, Timothy. Timothy was a young preacher, and he was a leader in the church in the city of Ephesus. And so uh, Paul tells Timothy how to run the church in Ephesus. Um, and one of the things he addresses, one of the people he addresses, uh, are the rich people in the city of Ephesus who were in the church at the time. And now I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't say there's anything wrong with being wealthy. He doesn't say tell the rich people not to be rich, but he tells them how to be rich. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. Um, so if, uh, this would be a great time if you have the GFCC app uh, to pull your phone out and turn to the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, you can go to your app store, whether it's the iTunes store or the Google Play store, uh, and download the GFCC app by searching for GFCC. And you can follow along with the sermon notes. Uh, you can also give your tithes and offerings through the app, uh, as well as get push notifications about the different things that are going on around here at GFCC. So I encourage you to download the app and, uh, and follow along with what's going on with the sermon. So um, we're in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18, and it's up here on the screen as well. And this is what Paul told Timothy about the rich. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So that's what we're going to talk. We're talking about those three things for the next, the, the three subsequent weeks. Uh, but today we're talking about how to be rich and, and kind of realizing the fact that we are rich, whether we believe it or not. Um, so uh, I've told you before that the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for rich is the word plusios. And this word plusios means wealthy. It means richly, abundantly. Uh, it means abounding material resources. And so when you think about it, most Americans are plusios. We are rich. And, and most of us have more than we even know what to do with. You know, when you think about it, think about this. How many of you have ever gone to your refrigerator, opened the door, scanned it, Top to bottom. How many of you have a, a, a window in your refrigerator? Anybody got a window in there? Have you seen these refrigerators with like the window in them? Like you don't even have to open the door now. You can just look inside. But you've opened the door. It says none of you have that. Open the door to your refrigerator, scanned it from top to bottom, looked and said these words. I have nothing to eat. Your refrigerator is full of food. And yet you have nothing to eat. So what do you do? You order pizza? You go to McDonald's, uh, go to Taco Bell, something like that, right? Go to Asada. I'm making you hungry. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are like, oh, Asada, I didn't think about that. We can go there after church. All right, back to the sermon. How many of you have ever gone to your pantry? How many of you have a pantry? We have a room in our house that is for nothing more than just storing food. How many of you have gone to your pantry, looked inside, turned the light on, looked inside, going, I got nothing to eat. How many of you have ever done this? You've gone to your closet. And maybe it's a walk-in closet. But you've gone to your closet. 
you've looked in your closet and said these words. Say it with me. I have nothing to wear. I went to my closet last night, getting ready for church. I go to my closet, and I'm looking. I had to decide. Okay, it's, it's NFL opening weekend. I, I challenge everybody, wear your favorite team's colors, right, you know? And so I had to decide in, at my closet which of my two Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers jerseys I was going to wear last night. And by the way, this is number two. I wore a different one last night. I wore this one today because it's got the Super Bowl patch on it. Just for you. Just for you. But in all seriousness, we'll go to our closet. We'll say, I have nothing to wear. You've got a closet full of clothes. Well, Sean, those, those clothes don't fit anymore. Do you know why? Because you have food to eat. <laughs> and we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves, don't we? Oh, I'm going to wear that again someday. I can't get rid of that because I'm going I'm to lose the weight. And I'm going to get, how long has that shirt been in your closet? The one that you're going to lose the weight and fit into again. And, 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 and here's the thing, by the time you actually do lose the weight to fit in that shirt again, it's going to be out of style, and you're not going to want it anyway. Am I the only one? Just me? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So, last example. How many of you have ever gotten into your perfectly good car? You put gas in it? Push on the pedal, cargo vroom. Your perfectly good working car have taken that perfectly good working car to a car dealership where they have other perfectly good working cars and have said, here, take my perfectly good working car, give me less money than I think it's worth for it, and I will buy another perfectly good working car from you. And you drive off the lot in that perfectly good working car, the one where you just dropped off your perfectly good working car. Oh, Sean, would you just shut up? No, but wait, there's more. We do this all the time. We take perfectly good stuff. We have a closet full of perfectly good clothes. We have refrigerators and pantries full of perfectly good food. And we don't want it. We're so abundantly blessed. We are so plusias right? We don't even realize it. Those other people are rich. I'm not rich. You are rich beyond your wildest dreams. We're just not very good at it. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus uh, is in the temple with his disciples, and they're in the court of women in the temple, and they're in town for uh, the Passover feast, and this is right before Jesus is going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world, and so they're in the court of women and in the court of women, there were 13 uh, offering receptacles. They were called shofar chests. A shofar is a horn. And so these shofar chests had a large kind of opening like a trumpet, like a horn. Uh, and they went down uh, into metal collection boxes. And what you would do is when you came in to pay the temple tax, you had a half shekel temple tax that you had to pay, uh, as well as give voluntary offerings uh, to the temple. And so you would come in and there were nine of these temple tax collection uh, shofar chests and you would drop in your half shekel uh, into the chest and what would happen is uh, all the coins in those days were made of metal and so when you dropped in your metal coin it would make noise going down the shofar chest into the collection box uh, and the bigger the coin the more money you put in the louder the sound would be and so you could really impress people 
by the, the, by the noise made by your offering. Well, this is what happens in Mark 12, 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And so Jesus is, all these people put money in the shofar chests. They're all dropping in coins, and it's all making all this noise. And then you have this poor little widow woman who has nothing, nothing to live on, except two small copper coins, like two little pennies. And she kind of just puts them in the, the voluntary offering box, and it makes this little there's a little bit of sound on their way down. And, and maybe there were people around her going, why did she even do that? What kind of offering is that? Maybe they were judging her or scoffing at her or mocking her. But it's the only gift out of all those people putting in their money in the offering. It's the only one Jesus remarks on. It's the only one Jesus, Jesus notices and comments on. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. And that idea of announcing it with trumpets, uh, scholars believe that that goes back to the shofar chests. That it goes back to the shofar chests, which is interesting. Do not announce it with trumpets. In other words, don't make a big show of you helping other people. He says, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so when we give whether it's helping the needy or giving to the church or giving to the kingdom of God or giving to a missionary, we shouldn't announce it with trumpets. We shouldn't make a big deal about it. It should just be part of our DNA as followers of Jesus to be generous people. We'll talk about that over the next three weeks. Here's the thing about Jesus and this widow woman who puts in the two little coins. See, Jesus is not concerned with the dollars. He is more concerned with the percentage. See, a lot of people were putting a lot of money into the temple treasury that day, but only one put in everything she had to live on. Jesus is not concerned with the dollars you put in. It's with the percentage. How much do you love Jesus? How much of your heart are you willing to give to him? And, and that's reflected in how you give and how you give to others and how you give to, to the kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we read these words. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so here's this thing about God being rich in mercy. That's that word plusios. That God is plusios in mercy. He is rich in mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Because of our sinfulness, because we are sinners, we deserve an eternity separated from God in hell. That's what we deserve. But God does not give us what we deserve. Instead, he has mercy on us, and he is rich in mercy, plusios in mercy. He is abundant in mercy, and we are saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith, getting baptized, when, when you do that, God washes away your sins and he forgives you all your sins, past, present, and future. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you ever will commit. Uh, how many of you have sinned today? Anybody? Anyone want to admit? Some of you are braver than I am, so it's like, yeah, I'm a sinner. Okay, all right. We all are. Let's face it, we all are. 
I told you before, we're all in the sin boat. We're just rowing with different oars. God forgives all of our sins. He is rich in mercy. He is abounding in love. He is full of grace. And he forgives us all our sins. And in response, we should be generous. Be generous not to get something from God, but to reflect God's generosity toward us. You should be generous not to get something because you've already gotten everything you need, we realize it or not. You should be generous not to get something, but to reflect God's generosity toward you. Because God has been generous toward you. He's been generous toward me. We should be generous toward others and toward his kingdom because he has been generous to us. So I have some steps that you can take, just two steps today that you can take to put this into practice. The first step is you need to recognize that you are rich. Rich is not those people. Rich is not the the wealthy people living in Beverly Hills. Rich is not the people living high on the hog. Rich is us. We are all richer than we think we are. I've seen poverty. I have seen it with my own two eyes. Most of us are truly rich. And we have to recognize the fact that we are rich. We need to realize that we are rich. And that'll change things in our lives. That'll change our perspective. When we realize we are rich, then we can do what Paul told Timothy to do. What did he tell him to do? Command the rich to be good. uh, I'm sorry, to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Over the next three weeks, those are the three things we're going to talk about. Doing good, being rich in good deeds, and being generous and willing to share. You've no doubt seen the Dr. Seuss decorations out in the lobby, and maybe you're wondering, are we going Seuss now? We are, and we'll explain that to you next week and what we're going to do with all the Dr. Seuss stuff. So make sure you come back because you've got to hear what's going on with the Seuss. You're going to love it. So we need to realize and recognize the fact that we are rich, whether we realize it or not now. Hopefully at the end of this message, you're going, okay, I'm a little better off than I thought I was. I'm a little richer than I thought I was. Maybe I am rich. I just didn't realize it before. So recognize the fact that you are rich. Compared to the 99% of people around the world who make less than you do, you are rich. Next step is to decide how you will be rich. Notice, like I said before, this sermon series is not titled How to Get Rich. I don't have any lottery numbers for you. In fact, my advice would be, if you want to get rich, quit playing the lottery. How much, you know, your chances of getting struck by lightning are better than winning the lottery. And, 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 and not only that, but your chances, I, and some of you have thought, well, my, you know, this is the first time I've ever stepped foot in a church. I thought my chances of getting struck by lightning were pretty good. They're still better, still better than winning the lottery. But you're, you're not going to get struck by lightning. This building has stood here for 63 years and it's never caved in when anybody else has walked in, so including this guy, so. It ain't going to do it for you. Keep coming. 
keep growing in faith with us. So we need to decide how we will be rich. What are we going to do with the riches that we have? What are we going to do with the blessings we received? Every good and perfect gift, the book of James says, every good and perfect gift is from God above. That God gives us all the gifts that we have in our lives. Uh, from your kids, uh, to your job, to your car, your cars, your home, your homes. God gives you everything that you have. God provides for every need that you have. And he continues to do so. So how will you be rich? We're going to do good. We're going to be rich in good deeds. And we're going to be generous and willing to share. That's how we should be rich. And that's what we need to learn to do. To do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And over the next three weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to take one at a time. And it's going to be a challenge, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be a challenge. And you may want to wear some steel-toed boots for the next three weeks. Because we just might step on your toes a little bit. But I want you to know this. I'm not some dude on a stage in a Green Bay Packers jersey, you know, looking at you, telling you, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you all up in the balcony definitely need to do this. I'm talking to myself. Because there are times that I complain. I complain about blessings that other people would love to have. Other people would love to have the things that I complain about. Same for you. And so I, I just want you to be aware that this is not me telling you how you need to live. Not me telling you that you need to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and generous and willing to share. This is me telling me I need to do good. I need to be rich in good deeds. And I need to be generous and willing to share. We're all in this together. And when we realize, we recognize the fact that we are rich, and then we'll decide that we are going to be rich the way God wants us to be rich, then we will truly know how to be rich.